Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. And if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Our sermon podcast is available in most places that you can find podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even iHeartRadio. We've got nearly a year of podcasts available, so subscribe and go through that library. Over this week and next, we're going to be digging into the topic of friendship and what the Bible has to say about healthy friendships. We will look at how the Bible defines friendship, and then we're going to look at a series of qualities that I want to call friendship builders, friendship breakers, and friendship bunkers. Dan Bennett says this, Nothing in the world is friendlier than a wet dog. Yeah, I know that feeling, and I think you may too. When those dogs of ours, those family friends, those pets are wet, they are full of life, joy, and they just want to draw near to us and share that love with us. They just want us to to join in with them, and we may want to hold them at arm's length till they dry off. (sighs) A wet dog, yeah, they are a friend. Dog owners know that here in March, especially in Ohio, we are living in mud season. This time of year, our four-legged friends tread out into increasingly gooey yards. With luck, you can train your friend, your pet, to wait and have their feet cleaned. I've got a picture of my cousin's dog, Sadie. She has a wonderfully patient look on her face as she sits on the back deck. It's a picture posted to Facebook. She just waits there so patiently while her paws are getting cleaned off. It's not so in the Walker household. Our dog doesn't act like that. Our dear 80-pound chocolate Labrador named Sophie doesn't sit patiently while we try to clean her paws. Our dog's come a long way in three years. She is the embodiment of joy and energy. She's thrilled to go outside. She bursts out of the back door of our house into our fenced-in yard. She loves to trot around and explore the corners and the nooks and the crannies and crawl through the bushes of the backyard. She relishes a drink from the mud puddles in our yard, and I've seen it. She loves to squish her toes down into the mud. And... And this is where things get difficult. Our dog loves to burst back into the house to greet us. And the greeting, it's as though it's brand new each time. With each greeting, our dog, through energy and her body, says, I am so glad to see you. Let's play. But we have to do something first. Because it's March, it's mud season, and we try with limited success to clean our dog's feet. Yes, we use a little rag each time she comes in the door, and Sophie usually complies the first time or two, but by the third or fourth re-entry of the day, our lovable dog decides it's better to make a game of trying to wash her feet and to play tug-of-war with that wash rag. What started as a simple few moments of washing Labrador paws turns into a Herculean wrestling match. Each time as the dog comes in the house, I I grab a hold of her. Sometimes I wrap my arm around her torso and eventually it comes down to me just holding onto her foot. And each time I lose my grip on her foot, that dog takes another step deeper into the house and another muddy paw print is left on the floor only to place another one in front of it. Eventually, the dog ends up wrestled to the floor 
kicking her muddy paws into my face. I end up sprawled on the floor, desperately clinging to the dog, pleading with the beast to just let me please wash your feet, at least before you try to climb on the couch. We end up both worn out. I've got to resign myself to find satisfaction with the amount of mud tracked into the house and say, okay, it's better than last time. And the dog almost always looks at me offended, as though I somehow committed some great atrocity by trying to wash her feet. And as we sit there on the floor, we make up, and our friendship shines through. And of course, in that moment, as we've just made up and her feet are clean, the dog looks at me and with her eyes asks, Can I go outside again? <sighs> Man's best friend, sometimes I wonder. Well, this week and next week, we're going to look at friendship. And we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about healthy friendships. Today, I want us to think about how to define biblical friendship. For there are many kinds of friendships in the world. There are school friends, family friends, friends through necessity. But for you and I to experience true friendship, we must ask, what does the Bible have to say about biblical friendship? So let's look at friendship defined. What do you think of when you hear the word friendship? What comes to your mind? Perhaps you think of someone who is dear to you, who knows you better than you know yourself. Maybe you think of a person where you laugh with them till it hurts. You think of long conversations of time spent together that passed like lightning, but was never wasted. Maybe you wonder if you've ever had a true friend. Perhaps you know the hurts that you've experienced at the hands of others, and there are hurts that you've experienced more than healing that you've experienced. Sometimes it's those troubled experiences with others, and especially our own sin nature, that leads us too often to miss the idea of biblical friendship. A British publication once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. Among the thousands of answers received were the following. A friend is one who multiplies joys, divides grief, and whose honesty is invulnerable. A friend is one who understands our silence. A friend is a volume of sympathy bound in cloth. A friend is a watch that beats true for all time and never runs down. The winning definition read like this. A friend is one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. I like that. In a survey of more than 40,000 Americans, they said that these qualities were most valued in friendship. That is this, the ability to keep confidences, loyalty, warmth, and affection. C.S. Lewis says this, Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Biblical friendship is built on our friendship with God. Valley View, our church, is a Quaker church. Better said, we are evangelical friends. We are part of the Friends Church, and we derive our name Friends from John chapter 15, verses 12 through 15. In this text, we find the words of Jesus describing the disciples as his friends. And if you follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you 
are his friend. And it is from that friendship that we should derive our understanding of biblical friendship. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 15, reads like this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For what I have heard from my father I have made known to you. This passage gives us a window into biblical friendship. To be a disciple is to be a friend of God. And our friendship with God should be our model for biblical friendship. And biblical friendship is not merely meant to enhance our individual lives, but it is to serve as an essential instrument in the accomplishment of God's purposes. According to this text, biblical friendships are built on first love, that is, love for one another, but not just affection or caring about, uh, but, or caring, but love that serves, love that sacrifices, love that is redemptive. How do your friendships show love that is greater than our world's selfish picture of love? Have you ever asked yourself that? But not just love. Secondly, we're told that f- biblical friendship is built on a love that lays down his life for his friends. This is how much Jesus loves you and me, that he would die on the cross for you and me. He's not content to let us live in our flaws or our sin, but he paid the way for our redemption, that we can have forgiveness. God uses biblical friendships to show us and the world our need for his grace. How do your friendships show the grace of Christ? A third thing from this passage about biblical friendship is it says that biblical friendship has obedience built into it. Biblical friendship starts with obedience and servanthood. We're not to be focused on what we get, but rather what we give to others. Have you asked yourself lately what you have done to bless your friends, how you serve them, how you've been obedient to them? We often struggle with the idea here where it describes Jesus as friends that we can be his friends because we obey him. That seems like a strange way to have a friendship. I I get friendship by doing, by trading myself for Jesus, by being obedient. But Jesus doesn't keep us as menial servants. He elevates us to true friends, closer than a brother. And any biblical friendship will be a friendship that has servanthood and obedience built into it. But it's not menial, and it doesn't stay that way. It's an obedience and a servanthood that loves, that cares, that elevates. And when it's given, that person is lifted up. And we become friends who are closer than a brother. That's another aspect about biblical friendship that I want to talk about today. Biblical friendship, yes, is built on our friendship with God. But another aspect of biblical friendship is that biblical friendship is close, deeply close. Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I remember reading that proverb as a young Christian. I was sitting in my high school study hall reading my Bible. I had completed my homework, and as a young Christian, new Christian, I just couldn't get enough of reading the Bible, and I was running through Proverbs and study hall, and I just, 
I saw that verse and it struck me. Because as a born-again Christian, there was a new world of friendship that was opened up to me. Before I became a Christian, I could not see my friends. I, I could only see people that I thought didn't like me or were indifferent to me. And now I saw a group of friends, other Christians, who were now family. I treasured that closeness. And I think that we do not understand how radical it is for the Bible to say that there is a friend who is closer than a brother. In the ancient Middle East, family was everything. A person's honor was made or broken by the conduct and continuation of their family line. And now we're told there's someone who is closer than family, closer than a brother. Or perhaps we're bound up in a relationship that draws us nearer than family can. Because the Christian is part of the family of God. We call each other brother and sister in Christ. Biblical friendship allows us to draw close, closer than a brother, closer than biological kin. And that means we'll know each other's faults. That means that we are going to care deeply for each other in ways that outsiders cannot understand. Because we do that in our families. We care about each other in ways that people outside our family just can't comprehend. That also means we work to bring out the best in each other. And it's fair to say that if we are closer than a brother, that's the kind of biblical friendship we have. We're going to laugh hard. We're going to play hard. We're going to harass each other and, and joke with each other in a way that only family can. Because family can be playfully blunt. They can play jokes on each other. They can let their hair down in ways that I suspect modern Christians are somewhat uncomfortable with. But we're called to be closer than a brother. A small boy defined a friend as this. Someone who knows all about you and likes you just the same. Something else about biblical friendship. Biblical friendship has purpose. In his article, Do Your Friendships Live Out the Gospel? Jonathan Holm makes a distinction between Christian fellowship and biblical friendship. He says, fellowship is compassion and love among believers based on our unity in Christ. Biblical friendship includes fellowship, but has an active investment in one another's lives. Biblical friendship serves primarily to bring glory to Christ. It has a purpose. He goes so far as to say that we should think of biblical friendship as a spiritual discipline. We go about these friendships with purpose and intentionality so that I... And you, you and I, grow in Christ. Unbiblical friendships lack that sort of intentionality, that sort of purpose. Biblical friendship glorifies God. It exalts Jesus and serves the kingdom of heaven. This is in sharp contrast to how many people think of their friends. People around our world, are, people that are close to us, often see their friendships as, well, they make us feel welcome. They we make us feel accepted. They make us feel good about ourselves. That's, that's how most people see friendship. It goes no further than how I feel by what others are around me. That I feel welcome, accepted, and good. But biblical friendship is much deeper. Friendship, biblical friendship, is where the other is placed first. And you are concerned with their well-being, their growth, and their glory. How often do you think about the glory of your friends? We don't think that way in our culture. What is biblical friendship's purpose? Well, it's to glorify God. And we are to diminish in that friendship so that Christ would increase. Would increase. And 
John the Baptist makes this clear. He describes himself as the bridegroom's friend. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 28 through 30, we have these words from John the Baptist. He says, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy is mine. This joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. John is saying, you know, the bridegroom's friend rejoices. And he says that Jesus is the bridegroom. So he's saying that John is saying he is the friend of Jesus. And for that friendship to thrive and be the way it's supposed to be, John is supposed to decrease and get out of the way, and Jesus is supposed to increase. John the Baptist finds his joy in his friendship with Jesus by elevating Jesus and he himself getting out of the way. He realized that friendship was not about him, and it's not about you, and it's not about me. The most critical truth we can understand in healthy friendships is that it must have its center in Jesus, in Christ. Friendship is more about being a friend than trying to get one. It's not about us and what we get, but it's about how we elevate Christ and serve others. Think of your friends for a moment. Think of the people that you care about. Are they your friends because of how they make you feel? Do you love them for what you can get out of them? Do you ask yourself, how can I elevate and lift up my friends? Ask yourself, do my friends bring out the best in me or do they bring out the worst in me? Do they drain me or do they energize me? Do I energize them? Do I bring out the best in them? So that's a bit of what biblical friendship is. But I want to take a few moments and talk about, um, with that thought, to talk about three thoughts about what friendship, biblical friendship, is not. And again, these come from Jonathan Holmes in his article. And I wanted to bring these out because I, I, I don't think we think about these uh, in our day-to-day lives. And I think it's important if we want to understand what biblical friendship is, there are a couple things in our modern lives we need to realize are not biblical friendship. And when we think about uh, what we get from friendship, it kind of becomes obvious. The first thing that is not biblical friendship is biblical friendship is not a selfish friendship. It's not a friendship for what you get out of it or how it advances you or how it makes you feel. Biblical friendship is about elevating others. But a second type of friendship that is not biblical friendship that I really think is important to mention is that biblical friendship is not a social media friendship. I feel weird bringing that out. That's such a specific thing. But we live in a culture where social media is so dominant that we need to understand that it is not necessarily a biblical friendship. Social media has created a new category of relationship that bears little resemblance to the uh, biblical ideal of friendship. Social media has promised to make relationships easier, but it functions as a relationship substitute. Technology keeps one another, each one of us, at a distance that we can control. And that's not healthy. 
Think about that for a moment. Technology, social media, gives us the ability to keep each other at a distance that we can control and we can be comfortable with. We can be not too close and not too far away. We can just just right with one another. Social media relationships allow us to curate our own image of what others see. Biblical friendships will see people We'll see past any front or facade that we try to cover up our lives with. Social media can be a tool for connecting to people, but it's not the relationship by itself. We've got to be able to be honest with each other. We've got to be able to have a relationship that is close so that we're not in control of how the relationship is conducted. It's, it's closer that we have to be real and connected in a meaningful way. Beware of anything, not just social media, but anything that allows you to hold people at a distance and that gives you control over the relationship so that there is a lack of honesty about who you are and there's a lack of honesty about what other people see in you. The third type of relationship that is not biblical friendship is this one. And it took me a little while to get my mind around this one. Biblical friendship is not a specialized friendship. And what's meant by a specialized friendship is a, re- a relationship that's reduced to a common activity or common interest, like a stage of life. Like if you have all your friends are people that have toddlers because you have a toddler, or, or you have a whole bunch of friends who share the same hobby as you do. God intends our best friendships to flow out of our relationship with Jesus Christ, not primarily out of our social demographics. If your friends are are all related to you because of a hobby or a place you're at in life, you need to at least take a second look and say, have we moved beyond a specialized friendship into a biblical friendship? Because biblical friendship does not come naturally to us. It requires intentionality. It requires us to think about bringing out the best in others. Biblical friendship requires that we step out of our comfort zone and that we reach into others' lives. This is counter to our busy, isolated culture. A full calendar of activities, a digital life teeming with friends and posts and likes and shares, a media life full of programs to watch and news to hear and politics to worry over, a society that says, I must find myself and realize my potential, that self at the center perspective, all of those things keep us from being intentional about our friendship. It all stands in the way of biblical friendship. Friendship that is at its core, that at its core proclaims Christ and is gracious to others is biblical friendship. We need to see that. Next week we're going we're to dig into the Bible and see what it has to say about tools that we can wield that I call relationship builders, relationship breakers, and relationship bunkers. That is the fortifications that lend themselves to a long and enduring friendship. But for now, I would ask you to examine yourself. Do your friendships serve you or do your friendships serve Christ? That's an important question. Have you ever asked yourself that question? How do my friendships serve Christ? Do your friendships bring out the best in you? Do they bring out the worst in you? Do you bring out the best in others? Perhaps most important we need to ask is, 
Are your relationships, your friendships, full of redemption and grace? Let's pray. Lord Almighty, thank you for calling us your children. That a way has been made through the blood of Jesus that we can be your friends. Friends that are part of a new family, your family, God's family. Lord, help us to see our friendships clearly with open eyes to know that we are working towards biblical friendships. Show us the ways that we've acted unbiblically in our friendships. And show us the ways that friends may be mistreating us. Lord, help us to live and to act in our friendships so that Jesus is glorified, so that the gospel is proclaimed, and so that grace overflows. I ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.